0: This morning we have uh, an amazing privilege, really do. And when we have other people come in, I often use those those words, but uh, this is so true in in the the truest sense. Uh, having Pastor Phil Playfoot and Heather here from Horsham, England, uh, they he is the associate pastor. Uh, there with uh, another guy, the the lead pastor named Andy, and a few years ago here, uh, Phil was leaving the church, and God spoke and did a role reversal uh, for them, and which if, uh, you know... CEO, executive, or anybody like that, just came to you and said, "You know what? I, God spoke to me and said we're supposed to change roles. You're supposed to be the CEO of the company, and I'm supposed to take your role as a assistant manager." And that's what happened. And uh, they propelled this church into the next phase that God has called them into there at King's Church. And I first met Phil here probably how long ago was your sabbatical when you came to Seattle? Four and a half years ago? Seems longer than that for some reason. But uh, four and a half years ago here, Phil came to Seattle on sabbatical, just taking some time uh, from the ministry to just seek God, do some traveling. And he came here searching for uh, the Lord at Christ Church Kirkland in unique ways, things that he had heard about through Cundys and White's. And uh, with that, at that time, God really knitted our hearts together with my dad and different ones as we talked about forming relationships and all kinds of different things. And then since then, I've been to England, I think, once or twice uh, since then to going to uh, North Africa and then to Switzerland. I think I've stopped in and spent time, got some pub time uh, with Phil. And uh, But God has used him. So powerfully in my own life. Uh, I look to Phil uh, for input on various number of things in regards to ministry as we 're going through this process here of eldership i 've been spending quite a bit of time talking with him about Skyping and whatnot about that, and he has just provided invaluable input at times when i 've been passing through from Africa or Switzerland different times just sitting down with him in his home or or various places and uh, just seeking God together and just, Phil, tell, help me. I'm trying to hear the Lord here. And Paul, you spoke a, a word to me before going to North Africa, and you shared with me, you said that God was going to significantly speak to me uh, direction for my life. Uh, and Because uh, when, when you went to, to Tunisia, and God did a similar thing with you, and that happened in my time with Phil, uh, is one of the more humble men that I know, and I, I don't say that lightly. But he's just such a—he's uh, got such a humble heart before the Lord to to hear God, to uh, to release people into ministry. He's going to be ministering Wednesday night. I'm asking everyone to please make that a priority for Wednesday night, seven o'clock at our house, and we're going to hear the Lord together. Andrew was telling me before I have you come up. Andrew was telling me that you guys had a sending off prayer time, uh, in uh, and and it turned into something. It, it seemed like a lot bigger. Love for you to share with us just a little bit about what happened there, just in terms of the prayer time and prophetic ministry. And yeah, it'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> Please welcome Phil Playfoot. Thank you.
1: This is on. Coming through loud and clear? Good. I was chatting with Andrew um, before we arrived. And uh, I usually, if I go abroad, I'm working with translators. And but I know you've got some strong English influence here. But if there's anything I say that you don't understand, Andrew's gonna leap up to his feet, interject and translate for me. So there we go. I just want to thank Eric first of all for extending this invitation to come and be with you um actually it is an amazing invita- invitation and a privilege to join hands together with you from uh the UK and i do believe that god has a significant purpose uh, it's not just we're here to share some thoughts and ideas i think god is knitting our hearts together Um, Eric just asked me there to share a little bit of our prayer time. We gather as a staff team every week in the church just to pray together. And with me going, they were praying over me and we just thought it'd be a short prayer time. But the Holy Spirit really came very powerfully into, uh, into the room. One of the staff there, a guy called Dave Fellingham, who's, uh, He's, uh, he's an amazing guy. He uh, he's, was an elder in a church in Brighton, South England, for 30-odd years. He's a worship leader. He's been around the world. I mean, just suddenly the Holy Spirit came on him and he just saw a very powerful picture of uh, a board, a wooden board of, of kind of tough wood and nails were being driven into this wood. And as he saw it, he saw it as a map of the world and these, these pins, these nails were being driven in. And then there were just threads being connected uh, between all these different nails, um, all around, actually all around the world, and uh, he just felt that God was saying that part of me coming here would just be able to be establishing, uh, being here amongst you. It was like God saying, "I'm, I'm driving home this relationship. I'm um, this is a place I'm putting you." And uh, through this friendship, through this relationship, there'll be connectedness to other places um, around the world. And this is part of his, his worldwide purposes. So to hear Eric talk about being in Kenya with family, um, we've got to realize we are a part of this amazing worldwide family, the Church of God. And, you know, we think, well, in God's efficiency, wouldn't he just join us with people a few miles down the road? You know, wouldn't it just be easier to link up with a few other Americans in a few other cities? You know, why across the world? But God has amazing purposes in bringing people together from different contexts and cultures because actually He wants the, His multifaceted grace that is, is displayed in His body throughout the world for us to learn from one another. So on this trip, when I came before four and a half years ago, I learned loads just being here and. And just meeting God's people. And when I've been throughout the world, I've always, it seems, received more than I've given. And I know being here this time, I'm going to receive and I'm going to learn um, just a huge amount through what God is doing uh, amongst you here. So it's such an honor to be um, here. Heather and I, uh, just a quick bit of personal introduction for those who don't know us. We have four daughters, if I can have a picture of them up on the, uh, the screen. There you go, those are our four daughters. Um, going from left to right, we've got Hannah, who's our eldest daughter, then Lydia, our third, and uh, Abigail, who's their second daughter, and then Miriam um, out on the right. And uh, if we can have the next family picture now, and uh, this is the like whole family. Um, two of our girls are now married, and we have three grandchildren. And Miriam, who's the youngest one in the middle at the front, she's getting married to Marcus, um, who's behind her. They're they youngish. They're sort of 2021. 20, he's uh, he's a great guy, and uh, and then Abigail is married to um, David, who's just behind her next to me, and uh, and then Hannah. She's got a couple of children. When this picture was taken, I think Abigail was expecting, so uh, she's just had the baby Zoe, and we're really delighted and to uh, to have that. So Heather joked that. She said it was a shock three years ago when the first grandchild was born and she woke up and realized she was lying next to her grandfather. And she said, that was a bit of a shock to realize we'd come to that stage in life. So um, I've been a church elder in Horsham for 27 years, never expected that. We were with Youth with a Mission down the road and uh, a short while from Horsham, just about 15, 20 minutes away, and actually Kim was there herself as a student doing a discipleship training school. And while we were there, God spoke to me about pastoring in a local church. And I have to say, I really didn't want to do that. My vision of church was not great. Church, as far as I'm concerned and had experienced, messed people up, and hurt people, and broke people, and people came away from church with all sorts of baggage. My, My prayer was, God, send me to Mongolia or Afghanistan. But anything but being a pastor in a local church, please. And God, if this is you, I want angelic visitations, your audible voice, and several prophets to come and speak to me <laughs> within the next two days, or I'm not doing it. Well, the Lord did everything that we asked. We ended up going to this small church, and we've, uh, we've been there ever since. And we've seen God do some, uh, some amazing things. So I was really thrilled to hear these prophetic words that came through this morning. Um, really about who we are. And I guess as I was preparing today, there was three or four messages I had sort of going through my mind about what to bring. Um, But the thing that the Lord brought me back to is tied in with something that actually God has been bringing us back to in Horsham over and over again. And it is about our identity. And we've been asking ourselves the question in Horsham, who am I? And if I was to ask you that question this morning, who are you? I wonder how you would answer. I wonder how you see yourselves. What is it that is really defining you as a person? And what is that based on? Because actually how we think about ourselves will ultimately really determine what we do and how we live. The way we think of ourselves, what we truly believe, will ultimately shape our behavior, our relationships, our attitudes, our responses to to, to things that go on in our life. And... Being in the kingdom of God, but not being convinced that you truly are an unconditionally loved son or daughter of the Lord, um, that you are adopted, that you are the light of the world, that you have a a new nature, that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit, will mean that you do not live out your God-given destiny of seeing the kingdom advance through you. And in a church plant like this, you've been going a year and church plants are tough, it's like all hands on deck, everybody has to get involved and, you know, things can feel sometimes a little bit unstable and you kind of think there's not many of us here and there's this whole city out there and that can diminish actually your expectation of what God wants to do through you corporately and individually. This is the fantastic news. I don't know how many people there are in the church, you know, 100 plus, 150, I don't know. But Christ in you, the power of God that we heard this morning, clothed with his righteousness, you can transform this city. That is your destiny, that is who you are, that is why Christ has clothed you with his righteousness and given you his, his power and when Eric shared that story uh, about me just transitioning the leadership of the church, this was um, actually it was just in the process of, of working up to that. When I came here, I think the first time I, I was sharing that with the Kundis and with Eric, this is what was on my heart. The church didn't know about that. But it had been in my heart actually for a number of years. And part of this is, is that recognition of if as an elder of the church, I'm a father in Christ, and Paul says... When he wrote to the Corinthians, you know, many of you are teachers, but not many of you are fathers. Part of being a father is being able to raise sons and daughters who actually can have their own, own family and take responsibility and reproduce. And that was the mandate that God gave to Adam and Eve. Multiply. Fill the earth. So, as an elder in the church, my might father, and I believe elders need to be fathers, and they need to raise others who are going to be able to take the church on. And so I thought, if you like, I could be a bit of a grandfather in the house. And, um, and so this, this guy, Andy, who's taken on the, the lead role in eldership, he's a guy who'd um, he'd come uh, in as a youth pastor. I'd asked him to do that. He was working for a tech company, earning a considerable amount of money. I offered him a 70% pay cut to come and work for the church, you know, the, the glory, the blessing of working for the church. And, He took it, amazingly. He said, yeah, I'd love to do that. So we brought him into a leadership team, then into eldership, and then the Lord spoke wonderfully prophetically about doing that. Because, actually, if we truly believe we are we are to have spiritual offspring ultimately, and we embrace that in faith. It will determine what we do, how we build church. So, today, briefly, we're going to look at one of those identity defining truths for us as a Christian, somebody who is born of the Holy Spirit. And I want us to consider what it means to be Christ's ambassador. Christ's ambassador. So we hear these prophetic words this morning about really who we are. That's the question I'm posing. And this truth that I want to reflect on this morning is that we are Christ's ambassadors. Let's read a couple of passages of Scripture about us being ambassadors. First of all, 2 Corinthians 5, 16 to 20 says this. 2 Corinthians 5, 16 to 20. So from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us and if you're following this in the bible Ephesians 6:18 to 20 Ephesians 6:18 to 20 and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Who are you? If you are a Christian this morning, if you are in Christ, you are Christ's ambassador. You are Christ's ambassador. I want this to sink into the depth of your thinking and your soul this morning. Because as you go from this place, as you're in the workplace, as you're amongst your neighbours, whatever you're doing, if you go with that conviction that that is your identity That is who you are. This will dramatically, radically change the way that you live. So to understand this better, let's first of all just consider the role of earthly ambassadors. Earthly ambassadors. The ambassador of a nation is a person who is from one nation, present in another nation, to represent the sending nation. When Eric and Trinity were and the team were in Kenya, there was an American embassy, I presume, probably somewhere in the capital. And if they got in trouble, they could go to the embassy, the American embassy, and it's considered a bit of kind of America in that place. And these ambassadors have been sent by the the government, the, the mother nation, and they speak for the government of the nation they represent, and they have the backing and the weight of the sending nation behind them, especially if it comes to a conflict. The ambassador of that country is there to help and protect other citizens of the sending nation living in that foreign nation and provide a place of sanctuary for them if needed. They also represent and promote the culture of the sending nation. Of the sending nation. So, for example, the ambassador would challenge a host nation's government record on human rights or persecution of those with certain political or religious beliefs. So the British ambassador was in China recently, and one of the things that they were raising was China's history on human rights and uh, political activists and the way the church has been treated. There's been another, I think, clampdown, another wave uh, against the church in China recently. And the, the British ambassador, I'm sure the American ambassador, if they were, vi- if they were there and there was a, a government representation, would raise that. And the ambassador operates from an embassy which is considered in diplomatic speech inviolable, which I will uh, unpack a little bit, and extraterritorial, as is also the place where the ambassador of that country actually lives. And that means these places are thought of as untouchable, and impregnable by the government of the nation where they exist and the ambassadors and the embassies although they remain under the jurisdiction of the host state are given special privileges such as immunity from local laws and no citizen of the host country may enter the premise of the embassy without permission of the embassy staff now I'm going to unpack this a little bit as to what, how that applies to us but These truths about ambassadors and embassies have been tested on many occasions. For example, um, I know many of you weren't even born then, but for me this is not that, that long ago. In June 1978, I remember this well, a group of Pentecostal Christians from Siberia who became known as the Siberian Seven took refuge in the embassy of the United States in Moscow because of the persecution that they had suffered and uh, the Soviet authorities not allowing them to emigrate. And despite the protests of the Soviet authorities, they stayed in the protection of that embassy for five years before they were eventually allowed to emigrate first to Israel and then they came to the United States. You may also remember the story of Chen Guangcheng, a blind civil rights activist in China who escaped from house arrest and he sought sanctuary in the United States Embassy. The Chinese authorities wanted to re-arrest this man, but they weren't again allowed to enter the embassy grounds and he was eventually allowed to emigrate to the United States with his family. So this inviolable status of the ambassador and embassy is also why it becomes so serious when an embassy is either not protected or actually invaded by the host nation. In November 1979, the United States Embassy was taken over by Iranian forces and hostages were taken and nine embassy staff lost their lives. And it was considered an attack directly against the United States and it led to all sorts of long-term economic and political sanctions and uh, resistance against Iran by the US and her allies, including Great Britain. So with this in mind, what does it mean to be Christ's ambassadors? What does it mean to be Christ's ambassadors? First of all, as a Christian, you are first and foremost a citizen of heaven. You're a citizen of heaven. Philippians 3.20 says this, our citizenship is in heaven. And uh, I was just chatting to a few people this morning and you know, some people said they had you know, British links, some had British parents but were born over here and British relatives, etc. And we may think of ourselves as American or British and in our church we have people who are French, we have people who are Romanian, we have people who seem to gather from all over the place, which is wonderful. wonderful. But if you are in Christ, you are first of all you first of all, belong to heaven with all the rights and all the protection that that affords you you 've been translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of, light, of the kingdom of light, and that is now your home nation yeah. Yeah, this new kingdom, this kingdom of light. you were once subject to the powers of this world. Now you are willingly subject to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who reigns from heaven, and you belong to him, and he reigns over the nations of the earth. We are the people of God. We are citizens of heaven. So the question often arises how can we both be residing on the earth and be a citizen of heaven? You might think, Well, one day, you know, I will be there in heaven. You know, I will see the Lord face to face. That will be my true home and that is a wonderful truth. And you might think, you know, for the moment, we are aliens and strangers in this world and we just have to put up with things and get through because one day, you know, we will be with the Lord and we will be in heaven. But the Bible says that when we become a Christian, when we are born again by his spirit, not of natural descent, the Bible says, but born of God as a child of God then we are already presently seated with him in the heavenly realms. We are already seated with him in the heavenly realms. Ephesians 2, 6 says this, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him even in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Jesus has been raised from the dead, ascended to heaven, and as the Bible describes, has sat down, at the right hand of the Father, demonstrating that His work has been completed. And He reigns with all authority over all that is going on in the earth. So whatever is going on in your life right now, you being joined to Him, what is going on in your life, He is in control. He's greater than it. He will use it and for His redemptive purpose, whatever has happened, whatever disappointments, heartaches, etc., etc., God has not abandoned you. He's with you. There's a mystery in that. There's many things I've longed for, prayed for, worked for, I haven't seen happen. But I do know, looking back, that God has used them to work something into my life of His purposes and plan and transform my character. He has sat down at the right hand of the Father, demonstrating that His work has been completed and His reign continues with all authority. So, when a person becomes a Christian, they are a new creation. They are connected to Him. As we've heard already this morning prophetically, He is in them and they are in Him. So, if that is you, you carry around the life and rule of Jesus in heaven on the earth. Because you're connected to Him, you are in Him from where He is ruling and reigning. There is this connection between the scene of this world and the unseen realm. And as an earthly ambassador is a citizen of another unseen country, but living away from that country. So the Christian is a citizen of heaven, but living away from ultimately their true home. But nevertheless, here on the earth, with all the backing of heaven, representing that heavenly life and Christ with us. So we are aliens and strangers and foreigners to this world, we're connected to another place, but we are physically living here. We are citizens of heaven. Secondly, out of that, we carry Christ's authority. It's an amazing truth, really. Jesus has sent us in the world, into the world with his authority. Matthew 28, 18 to 20, Jesus speaks of this. And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So Jesus has authority over all things, over things that are seen and things that are unseen, over demonic powers and earthly powers, over governments and individuals. And as a child of God, born of his spirit, you go in his name, knowing that by his spirit, he is always with you. His authority resides with you. So you do not have to be afraid. You're on the winning side. You can go anywhere you want, you're untouchable. And as the ambassador carries the authority of the sending nation, so you carry the authority of Jesus Christ. It's an amazing thing. First time many years ago, Heather and I were in our front room and uh, you know, we were just still growing as church leaders and, and just pastoring and somebody came for a, a problem. I can't even remember what the, the pastoral issue was and the problem and they, they sat there and uh, we just said, Lord, we just invite your presence and innocently I prayed something like, and God, just expose any darkness with your light. This person just exploded with demonic manifestation, just screaming and shouting. Our kids were asleep upstairs, and you know they were going, "I don't want to kill you." And this was, you know, people who were good friends of ours, really. And you know, they were with us. They looked, oh God, "I hate you. I'm going to kill you." We're thinking, we think we might be onto something here, and uh, they don't normally act like this. And in that moment, you're thinking. This is where it's really tested. I either have the authority of Christ and command this thing to be quiet and to break its hold and to come out or not. When, you know, I've been in Africa and uh, it's, church is a whole different scene out there. You preach in the open air. So you're in a village preaching. There's a witch doctor a hundred yards away. He'd be kind of going for it with his drums right now, trying to shut me up. There's kind of Muslim people around the church that is gathered openly You know, in that moment, you want to know that you have the backing of heaven. That you have the authority of Christ. And uh, because these guys are out to curse you and uh, they want you dead. And, you know, there's just the most bizarre uh, demonic manifestation activity there where they have control over animals that they send to attack you and all those sort of things. My, My friend out there is an apostolic... Uh, leader, he's, he's planted hundreds and hundreds of churches. I've been with him on church planting trips. You just go into a village, you uh, you set up a TV, a generator, you show um, the the film, you know, the, uh, of, uh, from Luke's Gospel and uh, uh, of Jesus Christ, and uh, it's a wonderful film. The local language in Malawi is Chichewa. Hundreds of people just come out the bush um, to see this, and uh, you know, he says that he has been in situations where he's preaching in that context. And in that context, having preached, you invite people forward to give their lives to Christ. They burn their, um, their charms and everything else. They pray for the sick. This is, this is a great way of church planting. You know, really, it's a good way of doing it. And uh, he said he's been in that scenario. And he said, which doctors have called up crocodiles out the rivers? And these things are kind of coming towards him as he's preaching to eat. I mean, it's a bizarre world, you might think. This is just so kind of weird. In that moment, you've got to know you have authority in Christ. And Lamb, his name, he spoke to this cross a crocodile and he just said, you know, in the name of Jesus, i would break the, every demonic hold over you. And this thing just kind of writhed and then turned around and just kind of went straight back into the river. And multiple people gave their life to Christ. It's a bit of a different scene to the UK and America, but actually... This unseen demonic world that that is against us is just as real. Um, But just manifest in different ways and we need to know our authority in Christ. I need to crack on. Thirdly, as ambassadors, we have an open line to the King of Kings in prayer. An open line to the King of Kings in prayer. Like an earthly ambassador has a hotline to their Prime Minister or their President their chief of staff, and any government official they need, you have an instant connection to the Almighty in prayer. So going back to that passage I read from Ephesians 6, Paul says, And pray in the Spirit, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions, always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of of the gospel. Pray, pray, pray. Stay in touch with the one who has sent you so that you know of his specific instructions for specific specific challenges and situations that you face. You know, back in Horsham in King's Church, as we, you know, as God just began to speak to us uh, about this, we thought we've just got to up our game on prayer. We need to build a church culture that embraces prayer. We need to be a house of prayer. And God spoke really specifically to us. So, you know, we just said, we're going to just start meeting before every meeting on a Sunday morning, Sunday evening, just to cry out to God and say, God, what are you doing? What's your agenda for this? God, what, what do you want to say today? What is it you want to do? We want to embrace that. We want to meet, meet with you. We want to keep in step with you. Lord, we just want to join in with what you're doing. And prayer creates that, that culture. So whether you're corporately together and there's an opportunity to pray, and if, uh, as a church, when you come together for prayer, just be there. Just be there. Just see it. This is the, the major thing that you can do in terms of taking this church plant forward. So we have an open line to the King of Kings. We have diplomatic protection. Diplomatic protection, two ways. I'm just going to pick up on this. In the same way that an earthly ambassador is not subject to the laws of the host country, as a heavenly ambassador, you are not subject to the law of sin and death that rules this world. Now, we had this in the reading from Romans 5. You are not subject to the law of sin and death. You do not have to sin. Grace is not so that we can get away with sin. Grace is there so that we don't sin. There is no temptation that would be too great for us to bear. By the Spirit, you have a new nature, you have a new heart, you have a new mind, and you have been freed from the law of this world. Scripture is to say we can say no to that stuff and just yes to the Lord. But you have protection from. As well, secondly here, demonic powers. I've touched on this already. One John four four. You dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Now I often had people say, you know, from just different parts of the world or around the UK, they say, you know, spiritually this this place where I'm living, it's a difficult place. You know, there's lots of covens, there's lots of witches, there's lots of kind of meet, people meeting who are against the church. You know, it's hard, it's oppressive. And I think, you know, with a mentality like that, we end up being defeated before the battle has even started. I think the ones who should be quaking in their boots are the principalities and powers and demons when they see God's people coming because they know that they have no authority over Christ's ambassadors and cannot harm them. There are no no-go areas for Christ's ambassadors. And I, I don't know what this district is, is like here. But, you know, as you are out there in the community, in the neighbourhood, whatever the need may be, whatever may come against you, actually nothing can prevail against you. Jesus said, I will build my church. He is for you. He is with you. He is building this church. There's a whole load of people out there who do not know him. You are strategic. It is not by accident or chance you are here. God has purposed this for his kingdom to be extended. There is no need to be fearful in any way. Demons only have control to the extent that actually we choose to give them control by what we believe, or sinful actions, or fear. Otherwise, you have diplomatic immunity from their control. This is not to say you will not engage in spiritual battles. You will, I'm sure, you're engaged in a few right now, maybe personally or as a church, but you have in Christ protection as the Bible promises, Isaiah 9, 7, of the increase of His government and peace, there shall be no end. This is God's promise to you, of the increase of His government through you, because He only has one plan, His church. That's plan A, there isn't a plan B. Of the increase of His government and rule, there shall be no end. You know, when I became a pastor, as I said, I wasn't mad keen on being a pastor. My view of the church was pretty dim. And the first thing that God took me on those first three, four, five years was just seeing his magnificent, glorious purpose for the church. Now, you know, the reality is, having done this a long time, been involved in all sorts of situations, you know, church can mess up, church can crash and burn and all that, but God's and it may be easy for us to end up getting a bit kind of cynical and detached from, from, from what church really is. But, you know, this God's unchanging plan is still for His church. Still for His church. And I had to lay aside my thinking and the, the hurts I had. You know that, um, you spoke about the thing about Ebenezer. Do you know, when I came to Christ when I was 16, I was in a Baptist church, traditional Baptist church. I stood up as one of the first... Uh, converts they'd had especially amongst the youth I was on the front row in my black leathers, I was a motorcyclist and all my denim and all my gear, there was a Baptist church and people I didn't realise filled up from the back and um, you know to the front so there were six empty rows behind me and I'm on the front row because I thought when you go to a gig you know the action is down the front so that was my sort of thinking and this was one of the first hymns we sang, I was singing this hymn, God we will raise our Ebenezer to you and I'm thinking, what's an Ebenezer? Right? It was from a completely unsaved background. They'd finished and sat down, and I was still trying to work out what verse 1 um, was. Anyway, I don't know why I said that. But anyway, next point I want to make is our words make a difference. Our words make a difference. As the earthly ambassador is interviewed by the world's press to know what the government of the same nation is thinking. So what you say carries with it the force of the government of heaven. Words are creative and powerful. When our speech is based on truth, it has the power to build, strengthen, encourage, bring peace, convict, expose, deflect anger, and heal. As an ambassador, you speak in the name of Christ. What we speak out has an impact. Yeah. Now, I don't know if I'm going to get through everything today, but I just feel prompted to say this, tell this story. So in Horsham, we have something called the Skeptic Society. Okay, the clue is in the name. <laughs> the Skeptic Society, they are the committed, you know, militant local atheists. And uh, they form this group called the Skeptic Society. And um, anyway... Uh, I can't remember how long ago, two years ago, I think it was, 18 months, two years ago, um, we were just doing this series of talks where we were just kind of inviting people to come to the, to the church. And I, and I gave this talk, what would Jesus say to Richard Dawkins? Now, I don't know if you know Richard Dawkins, he's a famous atheist in the University of Cambridge, and uh, he's always being rolled out on TV programs and on the radio to expound you know, the truth of evolution and uh, humanism and atheism. And he ardently hates Christians. So I thought, I'm going to give this talk. What would Jesus say to Richard Dawkins? And my wife had the great idea, let's invite the Skeptic Society. And uh, so she contacted them, she mailed them, and the guy who heads the whole thing up, a guy called Simon, he came along and he sat at the back with his, um, with his daughter and we had a short conversation afterwards and then he, he wrote this blog about his visit to King's Church, Horsham, which was quite vitriolic, uh, let me say. And, and I thought, I, I need to respond to this guy. I'm not only going to respond with truth, but I need to respond to him in love. So I connected with him, and we started a bit of a dialogue online. And he said, Phil, I, what about you coming to the next Skeptic Society, which um, was in a pub in Horsham? So I went along. He said, we've got a From the London School of Philosophy, a guy coming to speak on uh, being good without God. That was his title, being good without God. So I went along, heard this guy out. He was kind of fairly standard, sort of humanistic philosophy stuff. And, um, you know, at the end of it, you know, he just sort of said, you know, any questions? I just couldn't resist. And uh, (laughs) I was just, there was, you know, anyway, I was just in there. But. You know, I just knew in that moment, just the questions I was asking, the things I was saying, the manner in which it was said would have an impact. Anyway, subsequently, just roll on a while. Um, we uh, post up um, online, um, you know, clips of, we, we have testimonies of people getting healed and stories of how God is working in their life. We just try and do this regular, in fact, we try and do it every Sunday. We want to celebrate it. We want to testify this power in testimony. So we put this stuff up on the line. And um, the next thing I heard, somebody told me, they said the Skeptic Society are doing an evening on King's Church Horsham. And um, they're just kind of, they really want to publicly just kind of slam us. And especially this whole thing about the supernatural. So I hadn't been invited, but I invited myself along to this evening. I told the guy <laughs> I was coming. And uh, you know, I just sat there as they, this is great. They, they started off by saying, King's Church Horsham meets in this school, which is a specialist science school. And he said, can you believe it? In a science school. They're teaching their kids that there's a supernatural God who heals and breaks in. And he said, I've written to the headmaster of that school, complaining and asking the governors of that school to investigate who these people are. Because they shouldn't be teaching that in a science school. The kids might actually believe it's true. Can you believe that? This was his take. He then went on to show all these video clips of some of our kids who are testifying about how they've been healed from deafness. And uh, there was a... I just need to tell you a story quickly. There was a, um, a, a guy who's just testified. His mother had broken a wrist in three places, went to the hospital, and um, they x-rayed it. It was broken. You can see it on the x-rays. They said, we're going to put a temporary car. So you need to come back and have it pinned because it was that badly broken. Went home. Her son, who recently has joined our church, he's not... He hasn't been a Christian that long. He prayed. It, you know, he just kind of knew as you prayed, God moved. And he was commanding this, this wrist to be whole. She went back the following week. She's kind of saying, that's kind of feeling better. Went back the following week. They took the temporary cast off. And uh, they said, okay, we just need to check this. And it was going like, hey, you can move it. It's, that seems fine. This is really weird. doesn't seem broken. They re rayed it. Completely healed. <laughs> completely healed. So, in the Skeptic Society, all these testimonies are being kind of shown. I'm thinking, this is pretty good. This is, this is great. Thank you, Jesus, you know. And, um, and he just kind of went through the whole thing. He talked about how he complained to the head teacher. And I, I knew he was... He, he knew I was going to be there. And he, he said, he said, one of the pastors of the church are here tonight. This was just a couple of months back. And, um, and again, at the end... Stupidly, he said, any comments or questions? And I just thought, this doesn't get better. I've got 40 ardent atheists in the church. This opportunity, my words are going to make a difference. And uh, so I just publicly just talked and debated and, you know, just tried to do it well and graciously. But our words make a difference and we will stay in touch. Um, we have the Resources of Heaven available to us as Christ's ambassadors we can call if you like on heaven's strike force both to rescue and to advance the purposes of heaven in the same way that an earthly ambassador can call up the sending nation to send in the planes and helicopters get the citizens away from danger so we can say deliver us from evil and angelic protection and rescue i believe is dispatched Not only that, but to fulfill the role of the ambassador. The sending country makes material and financial resources available to the ambassador. So as Christ's ambassadors, you can expect that God will supply all your needs in order to fulfill what he has called you to do. I could go into many stories of just things we're experiencing in Horsham at the moment. This is not us. I'm just left week on week, open-mouthed, as God just sends people and resources to us. As he's spoken prophetically to us about things he wants us to do as as a church, just establishing some schools, some, we're establishing a worship, a worship school, a pastoral care school, and just suddenly out the blue, when God said, I will send you ready-made people, just suddenly people, magnificent people, Gifted people, people who are just passionately love the Lord are just suddenly there for us to be able to step into that destiny. God will fulfill your needs. Finally, um, you are a cultural representative of the heavenly nation. You're a cultural representative of the heavenly nation. As an earthly ambassador, is there to represent the, the values and the lifestyle and the culture of the sending nation. So, Christ's ambassadors demonstrate to others what heaven is like and the heart of God. What's going on in heaven right now? What's happening in heaven right now? I think the book of Revelation gives us a glimpse. Revelation 1, 12 to 16 says this, I saw someone like a son of man dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars and coming out of his mouth with a sharp double-edged sword, his face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. And then Revelation 5, 11 to 13, Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousands times ten thousand. They encircled the throne of the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice, they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. To receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And then to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. If you're an ambassador of Christ, this is the culture that you represent. This is what is happening right now. The adoration and worship of Jesus both outside here on a Sunday morning, the way that you live, which will either worship the Lord and honor Him and glorify Him or detract from that, or in here, and it's not just the, you know, the outward thing, it's from the heart that this comes. But as we do that, we are joining in with the activity of heaven. So we just have to ask ourselves, is what I'm doing, the heart I'm doing, the motivation I'm doing this with, is it for him ultimately? Does it honor him? Is it about worshiping him? Is it about I'm captivated by him, his glory, his beauty, his magnificence? You know, whether I have a recognition in the church, a role in the church, a, a title in the church or anything else, yeah, that doesn't matter. Is he my first love? Is the one he's captivated me? I mean, being a pastor all these years, let me tell you, any kind of glamour associated with the role went many, many years ago. There's times I've not wanted to do this. There's many weeks I've a Heather, I've got nothing left. I'm spent, I'm washed up, I'm burnt out, I just can't go on. And you get up the next day and you just know, again, the grace of God, you know the call of God on your life to do it. And you go, God, this, this is for you. And I want to live with that eternal Perspective. So I just need to land this. There was one or two other things I might have said, but um, let me just, uh, I think, land it there. And um, let me just conclude then that just to say that this morning, if you are in Christ, you are Christ's ambassador. This is the way that we are to think of ourselves. You're a citizen of heaven. You carry Christ's authority. You have a hotline to the King of Kings. You have diplomatic protection from the law of sin and death. Your words have supernatural power. You have the resources of heaven available to you. And you carry and extend the culture of heaven and the rule of God by your actions and your heart. Hallelujah. It doesn't get any better than this, does it? And I think the realization of these truths is, is by the Spirit. These are, these are things that we just need daily, the Holy Spirit, to just keep reminding us of so that we can, we can live in the goodness of these you know, some people say that you can be—I think you have this expression over here—but some people say that you can be too heavenly-minded to be any earthly good. Have you heard that expression? Yeah. Is that an American expression? Okay. I would just conclude with this: I think if we're going to be any earthly good, we have to be more heavenly-minded. That's where it starts. That's where we're rooted. That's where we come from. So, why don't we stand together? I just love to pray. Just love to ask the Holy Spirit to. Just drive these truths in our hearts. Jesus, this morning we proclaim that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You rule and reign over the nations. And Lord, we just say thank you that we get to join in with your plan and purposes. God, and I thank you for the amazing strategic purposes for which you've placed these people, God, in this vicinity, in this city. I thank you, God, for your purposes of joining our hearts. And we we just say, let your kingdom come. God, let your will be done. God, let the increase of your government and peace in this place, God, prosper. And God, we just yield to you, we surrender to you and your purposes in this place. Holy Spirit, we ask this morning that the truth of who we are in you of who you've made us, of who you are making us, Lord, will grip us, will guard our hearts and minds, would we'll shape our behavior and our, our words and our relationships. God, we thank you for your church. Thank you. I thank you for this church. I thank you, God, that even the gates of hell cannot prevail against your church, neither death nor demons, nor principalities. I just pray, God, that the revelation of what it means to be your ambassadors, sons and daughters, children of the living God, seated with you in heavenly places. God, let that grip our hearts and minds this morning. And Jesus, in your name, I'm going to pray for every stronghold that the enemy has placed to be broken now. Every lie that is ruling and reigning over our hearts and minds, in the name of Jesus, let it be broken. Set us free, God. Let us come more and more into the truth of who we are. I just come against depression and anxiety and fear and self-rejection and all the things the enemy would sow into our lives. God, I, I just pray out of this morning, Lord, we would just enter into more and more the fullness, Lord, of who you say that we are. And we pray this, Lord, for your glory. Amen. Amen. Well, the Lord bless you? I know I need to land this, but...